This is part three of First Thessalonians 4, 3 to 8, and we'll focus on because the Lord is an avenger. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to take his own vessel, his own wife, in holiness and honor, not in the passion of desire like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because here's the reason, one of the reasons. Don't transgress and wrong your brother by failing to take your own wife and letting your passions and desires get all out of control and transgress on his wife. Don't do that because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you, that was part of our basic first three-week discipleship course beforehand, and we solemnly warned you. So, Father, show us the significance for his addressing a church with the threat of the wrath of God. This troubles a lot of people and confuses people. Lord, unconfuse us, I pray now, and cause this motive to have its proper place in our hearts. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's underline first that this is a very, as he said, I told you, this is a common Christian teaching. We'll see it outside Paul, inside his other letters. Here's Colossians 3. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. So same kind of warning about sexual immorality delivered to the church at Colossae. Here's Ephesians chapter 5. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral, impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. And he's speaking that to the church. Here it is in Hebrews. Let marriage be held in honor among you all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, so honor and holiness. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. So three times now, we have seen outside this text this argument. Don't walk in the untethered passions of your desires with no honor and no holiness, and instead transgressing your brother. Don't do that because you will be punished by God. Wrath will come upon you. You will be destroyed by God if you live like that. I've warned you about this. Now, 
Here's 2 Thessalonians in a remarkable parallel. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 and 8. The Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance. Remember, the Lord is an avenger in all these things. So he's coming to inflict vengeance on those who do not know God. Sound familiar? And on those who do not obey the gospel. In other words, what he's saying here is, if you give way to the passion of desire and live a life of adultery and sexual immorality, if you do that, you are putting yourself in the position of those who do not know God. And those who do not know God, according to 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 and 8, will experience flaming fire of vengeance from God. So this is no doubt that Paul is warning the church, don't give way to sexual immorality and adultery because you're playing with fire. And I don't just mean the fire of relationships, I mean the fire of divine judgment that comes to destroy those who do not know God, and that's what you are acting like. You are proving yourself to be those who don't know God. If you walk in the darkness, you don't know God. Now, here's the problem that needs to be addressed. According to chapter 1, he says, We know, brothers beloved by God, that he has chosen you. So he knows that this church is among the elect because our gospel came to you not only in word, but in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. So he has identified them as elect, and we know that the elect are predestined, and those who are predestined he called, and those who are called he justified, and those whom he justified he glorified, and nobody drops out and comes under judgment among those who are elect. In fact, he says in chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He'll do it. He's going to keep the chosen. Yes, he is. And they will be rescued from the wrath. Chapter 1, verse 9. You turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So, how shall we put it all together? He clearly warns those who give way to the passion of desire, abandon honor, abandon holiness, transgress the brother, act like they don't know God, they're going to come under the vengeance of God. And my answer is, it is absolutely 
apostolic, biblical, and right to address a whole church with warnings of God's wrath, knowing that among the church there may well be an apostate, a hypocrite, somebody who's not among the elect. You don't know as a pastor, and Paul didn't know down to the details of who was elect, so he dressed he addressed them in uh, the judgment of charity as an elect church, and then he warned them. And I think Paul would say something like this, those who hear this warning, they don't blow it off and say, oh, we're elect, we don't need to be warned. Doesn't matter how we behave, the elect are saved. No, the elect don't respond like that. Paul would say, the elect hear this, and this becomes a motive, an effective motive for their obedience and their sanctification. And so they prove themselves to be elect, like Peter says, confirm your calling and election by responding like that. And if people blow this off, say it doesn't matter, we're secure, and live like those who don't know God, they will perish and prove that they never knew God.